Well, again, thank you so much to all of those who have helped to put our worship services together. For uh, Sharon Cook, who was our liturgist today, uh, for the many faces of Gary, who offered that beautiful special music for us, and of course, for Gary Brubaker, who always puts our music together so well, for our praise team, who offers, um, who offers our music in leadership, thank you. Thank you to all of those who have helped in person and online. We appreciate you. Now, as we continue again in this third week of Advent, talking about the Aurora, John Bucher, who is an expert on storytelling and myth, the creative director of the Joseph Campbell Institute, reminds us that dawn is a prophetic image in the sky that tells us that something good is coming. And Alexander Shia, who is a theologian, talks about Christmas and reminds us that Christmas teaches us to be a people who know that in every deep dark in our lives, the Christ is born anew and evermore. Darkness is not how the world ends. Darkness marks the time of beginning again. Now, Advent is the four weeks of preparation for Christmas, preparing for the birth of Jesus, and in this season, we're announcing the coming of the sun, a light rising that we've never seen before. And this aurora redefines our relationship with comfort, control, creativity, gratitude, and even darkness. So today, we'll talk about what this teaches us about creativity. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, as I've been looking about the aurora, the dawn, and, and some of the, the stories and the mythologies that go with this, they've been fascinating. So maybe you've thought about the aurora borealis, um, which is a Greek name, aurora meaning sunrise, and boreas meaning wind. Now, I personally haven't ever seen the Aurora Borealis in person. I've seen pictures and videos, but I've not seen it in person. And even in the images and the pictures that I've seen, it's really something remarkable to behold. And now today, we know a lot about the Aurora Borealis. We know a lot about the scientific explanations of protons and neutrons and electrons and ionization and gases and so forth. And even knowing all of those things, it is a sight to behold for sure. But can you imagine not knowing those things and trying to explain what this is that's happening? And so that's where some of these mythologies and these stories get created. One group, um, one North American native group, the Algonquins, believed that the Aurora Borealis was a sign from the creator that he remembered them and was watching out for them. Uh, one of the, another North American native group, the Mandan tribes in North Dakota, believed that the Aurora Borealis were fires that the great warriors boiled their enemies in. Many native groups throughout North America had different images of what they believed this Aurora Borealis was. But not just in North America. In Sweden, the Aurora Borealis was a sign from the gods of warmth and also that it would be a good season for fishing. In some Chinese legends, they, um, they talked about the Aurora Borealis as the battles between good dragons and evil dragons. Now this one, this one was interesting to me. In Iceland, 
If a woman giving birth didn't look at the lights, she wouldn't have a painful birth. But if she did look at the lights, then her child would be born cross-eyed. How do those stories start, right? And isn't it interesting all of the different ways that cultures tried to explain what they were seeing and experiencing and tried to make sense about the world around them? I mean, just think about that. Remember the times before you knew everything because of Google? When you just wondered. Now, this is before we knew everything or, or how, could, uh, how, we, how we could just get all of the information in an instant. So before you knew everything, before Google existed, how did you learn things? Did you just wonder about the world around you? And what stories did you create? I remember as a child being told that thunder was the angels bowling. Did anybody else ever tell that story? Or that lightning was God taking your picture? Fun little side note, ask, ask someone on how they take a picture. Different generations do that differently now, right? Like click or click. Anyway, side note. These things that we wonder and, and how the world changes around us. And of course, we can argue about what's better. Is it better to know everything or is it better to wonder everything? Is it better to know and be scientifically informed or is it better to know about stories? And I don't think it's a fair comparison to have either or. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, surely it is very important for us to be grounded in facts and data. And also, sometimes stories can help inform us on how to live. The aurora, the dawn, this light, this just before everything breaks forth, the Aurora reimagines our relationship with many things, including creativity. Not just in the creating stories around it, but the Aurora reminds us that there is a new day. There is a new chance, new possibilities. It's a chance to create your life again. Every day we have this chance. Now, if I asked you to raise your hands or type in the comments if you consider yourself creative. How many of you would? I think sometimes we get caught up on what that word means, but the truth is we're all creatives. We all have opportunities to create amazing moments. And sometimes that's through various medium, mediums of art. Some are bakers, some are knitters, some make beautiful things out of words some make with their hands. I think about Donna Saxby and Don V. Meyer with their quilting. I think about all of our knitwit group who make our beautiful prayer shawls and other gifts. I think about Roseanne Kuhlemeyer and Leanne Reidelbaugh making their jellies and their jams. I think about Gary and Jody Brubaker with their musical talents and storytelling, our praise team, our bell choir, our Wesley choir, Y'all, we have some talented and creative people in our congregation. And even if you're thinking, yeah, but I'm not like, I'm not like those people. I'm not creative. 
you are because you're creating your life. Being who you are is creative work. We're all creatives. And God invites us into this work of creating alongside God. I mean, if you think about the last thing that really frustrated with you, frustrated you, how did you deal with it? Did you just keep doing what you've been doing? Did you do something different? That's creative. Realizing that something isn't working and trying something new. So you're more creative than you know. And sometimes what holds us back from our creativity is fear because doing something new or different, well, it can be scary. What might people say about you? What might people do? What if it goes wrong? And the truth is that goes both ways because it's not always negative. Sometimes what if it goes right? What if people cheer for you? Sometimes we're scared of things going right just as much as we are of them going wrong. Erin Hansen has this quote and she says, and you ask, what if I fall? Oh, but my darling, what if you fly? John the Baptist in our passage for this morning is quite a character. All over, he's quite a character. Um, you can call him incredibly creative. And um, what you wouldn't call him would be shy or, you know, he's not a shrinking violet. He leapt in Elizabeth's womb, his mother, when they met Mary. He eats locusts and honey and wears camel's hair. He preached prophetically and strongly. I thought about starting the sermon or starting the worship this morning with being like, Merry Christmas, you brood of vipers. I mean, it's biblical, right? That's how John starts his sermon for today. You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I mean, it's the sort of thing that I, don't know, I would tune out or I would hear that and I'd be like, I'm out can't do this. And yet the people gathered to hear John preached, heard what John said. And instead of saying, oh, too much, I can't do this. They instead asked, so what do we do? How do we live? Oh, come all ye faithful. And so John gives them some practical things to do. He says, if you have two coats, share one with someone else. If you have extra food, you need to share it. Come and be baptized. Don't make more money than you're supposed to collect. Don't cheat people. Don't steal from people. He's teaching them how to live, how to live in generosity how to live in community, how to live as though they belong to one another because we do. Live as though you are responsible for one another because you are. Oh, come all ye faithful. Now think about that. It sounds very easy, right? You have two coats, give one. You have extra food, give it. 
um, be baptized, don't cheat people, don't steal, don't take more than you're supposed to collect, live in generosity, live in community. This sounds really easy. I mean, it, it should be the lives we want to create, right? A life that shares with and cares for others. Oh, come all ye faithful. But what if the crowd started asking questions of John, like, what if the person doesn't have a coat because they spent all their money on alcohol or drugs? What if a person doesn't have enough money because they're lazy and they don't want to work? What if the person does have food, but they're just trying to get more and take advantage of my generosity? Sometimes what may seem easy, we start to try and poke holes in because it's not actually easy. It's also much easier to love the world around us when we're not judging it. Oh, come all ye faithful. Living this faithful life is creating a life that loves others helping to create a world that is just, helping to create systems where all are cared for, helping to build one another up to know that we are all individuals of sacred worth. This is what it means to live a faithful life. Oh, come all ye faithful. This is good news. And of course, with every good news, there's always a hint of bad news. John preached the good news to all the people that were there. Jesus's birth is good news to all people. And it also means that there's news out there that's not good. And if it's not good news for everybody, then it's not good news. John says, the good news is that one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the throng of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, the Messiah, the one, Jesus. The Son is coming, and John is announcing the coming of the Son. Oh, come, all ye faithful. So work on creating this life. Each day is a new day to try again. The beauty of grace is that it invites us to start over again and again and again and again. So this week, do something creative. And maybe it's a risk to you. Maybe you're coloring or maybe you're making cards for one of our nursing homes. Maybe you're making slime with your grandkids or throwing glitter around. Maybe it's just making a mess. Maybe it's baking something, taking it to FACC, the Freeport Area Church Co-op for the shelter clients, or maybe baking something to bring it to healthcare workers. Maybe it's taking a different route to work or a different route on your morning or evening walk. What do you see around you? Are there people that you've never noticed before? It may go wonderfully and it may not. And you'll get to try again and again and again.
O come, all ye faithful. The sun is coming. As we announce it together, the good news is good news. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Amen.